The Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million is up for grabs. Get all the details at CircaSports.com. DGENs assemble. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains. I am your host, Justin Bruni. Joining me as always is my co-host and partner, Mr. Andrew, the TD King. Rob, happy Friday, sir. We made it. How are we doing? Yes, sir. Thank God it's Friday. Uh, golf today. So, uh, oh. you know, had a had an eventful afternoon. Uh, it was blistering hot, though, like 92 degrees. It was so hot. What'd you shoot, Kip? Shot an 80, uh, 82. So ten over par, uh, yeah, ten okay. over par, par seventy two. So it wasn't bad. Um, yeah, it was a nice day. Uh, and um, doing a deep dive into best ball with a buddy who recently, only last year, started to get into best ball, and uh, all of a sudden he got the itch. So yesterday he was talking my ear off about it. So I'm uh, I'm okay. itching to talk about some stacks that I feel are good for the playoffs as well as good for you know throughout the year um mm -hmm. yeah let's get to it yeah don't forget about some of the bad ones too you know some of these come with some uh premium sure. costs no yeah is there a, a specific uh starting point you'd like to take off from here whether it be a specific team adp the good the bad ugly heroes villains what you thinking uh no you know what let's um let's just go down through some of these uh some of these teams let's start with the afc um i have a board here well i guess we'll just go through do you just want to go through the divisions and as we get to them if if we feel like you know the patriots are one that like right away there's not too many stacks like we can kind of skip over and just say sure you know just talk about that so uh yeah so let's start in the uh aforementioned afc east uh with mm -hmm. the buffalo bills Okay. Um, what say you on the stacks? Obviously, you know, I think both of us take into consideration ADP, uh, you know, who they play in the playoffs week 17. So I think all that factored mm -hmm. in, you know, into what we're going to talk about here. So um, the bills, what do you think? Well, I think we got to start right up front, right up front, right? Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. Right now, you're looking to get Stefan Diggs probably towards the end of the first round. You're looking to get Josh Allen most likely uh, in the in the third round now. I don't think that you absolutely have to dive to him in the second round just because you take Stefan Diggs. I think that I'm willing to take that chance. That was definitely a strategy that we saw earlier on in the offseason. But you know, with the more friendlier ADP to the quarterback position developing, you can definitely sit on him until the third round. I like that a little bit better than, per se, Kelsey and Mahomes, which you pretty much have to grab Mahomes in the second round because more than likely he's not going to come back around to the third. And if you're in a sharp room, more, uh, sharp lobby, more than likely they're not going to allow you to do it. They're just not going to you know, let you have it. They're going to play some defense, your, your, your draft mates and your league mates, right? So I like the prospects, of course, of Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Josh Allen still finishing as a QB2 last year 
while still declining, like still regressing in three consecutive seasons, his numbers have gone down and down and down, still finishes QB two. It's a, it's a lot to like, right? He could actually have a pretty big bounce back season and still be like a top three quarterback. And, and you really wouldn't blink, right? Because he's got the name brand. He's got that running ability. He can still toss the ball down the field. But what I really like about this stack in particular, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen is that there really isn't a ton of competition for touches still. You know, a high expectation, a high value return for Stephon Diggs. He is a, a one through three wide receiver, and you're getting him at a little bit of value. Uh, same thing for Josh Allen. He finished as QB2 last season, but you're getting him most likely about QB3. You know, most people are still prioritizing Mahomes and Jalen Hurts ahead of him. And I feel like with the emergence of Damian Harris in this offense, I think that a lot of us, including yourself, are more comfortable saying, hey, you know what, Josh Allen may run a little bit less. He may have a little bit less exposure to maybe touchdowns in the red zone. It seems like they want to get more of like a, a bully type of approach between James uh, Cook and Damian Harris. Still, like I said, a lot to like here. I think it's fairly priced. And again, when you're looking at like the top stacks, it looks just a little bit more friendlier, you know, in comparison to say uh, Kelsey Mahomes, like I'd mentioned, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. I think it's on par with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, you're getting Joe Burrow probably another round or two after Josh Allen. So I'd say it's like, you know, as far as like the price goes, it's one of the more equitable stacks to start with that I think that you can find premium returns. I do think that it is a premium stack. I don't believe that Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, uh, Khalil Shakir, or any members of the running game are really going to threaten Stefan Diggs from having 150 plus targets this season. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, definitely a viable team to stack. You know, they play New uh, New England week 17, so not the prime matchup. It is in Buffalo, so that is nice that it's at home. But as we know, uh, you know, Buffalo does get some weather, uh, get some snow. So there's potential for this game to be a more low-scoring game. Um, as far as stacking, though, I mean, you don't really have to pay a lot outside of, you know, Josh Allen and Diggs. You know, that's Diggs is one Allen mm -hmm. third round. Next person that, that you're going to draft from here, um, you know, that you want to stack for a pass catcher anyways, Gabe Davis, who I believe is going in like the seventh round. Yeah, seventh round mm -hmm. here. Uh, then you got Dalton Kincaid in the 11th round and uh, Dawson Knox, which again, that's just absurd to me that Dawson Knox is going after Dalton Kincaid. Dawson Knox, 14th round. So very viable options here. And of course, you you know can definitely stack it with the Patriots because there's not too many people mm -hmm. that are you know clamoring to take all the Patriots. So it's an easier stack. Uh, they also play Dallas and the Chargers week 15 and 16. Those are nice games to stack as well. So um, I would say the Bills are probably somewhere in the the B plus to A minus range for for you know premium stacking ranking for me. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think it's a very good situation, like I said, uh, especially if you fall into that territory of kind of what you feel like, at least, you know, after you've paid your $25 and the draft has started and you're just like, oh, you got the seventh or eighth pick. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're kind of sitting like in that weird kind of territory in the middle and you land on Stefan Diggs. I definitely think that coming back around and getting Josh Allen is going to behoove you. It's going to it's going to bring some you know positive results this season, as it's brought many others in uh, years prior. So I like the situation there. My only concern, like I would be for any top uh, draft pick, is health, right? I mean, any of those guys in the first round, if they dud on health, you know, you're, you're not going to be looking good. But uh, with Stefan Diggs getting a little bit older, I, I do feel a little bit more concerned about it. But at the same time, you know, you have to hit the high expectations, you know, to bring home, you know, top 10 type of finish, have high exposure to, you know, 
like you said, week 17, you know, being able to actually finish. Right. So I think that that's definitely a pairing that can, that can bring it home for you. I want to stay in the AFC East. I think that this one is a little bit more cost equitable and I'm starting to buy in on this stack a little bit more. I want to know you, what your thoughts are on Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson going towards the end of the first round in that one, two swing kind of like picks 11 through 14. Typically don't really see him going much farther than that. Aaron Rodgers, a much, much friendlier ADP. He is parked in the back past, you know, pick 100. What are your thoughts on this potential stack? Can Aaron Rodgers bring over some of that elite production and, uh, you know, pair it with Garrett Wilson's up and coming uh, skill set? Yeah, uh, my most recent draft, which was two days ago, uh, Aaron Rodgers went 132 round 11. So very easy to stack, obviously. I love Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, what he did last year as a rookie was just absolutely fantastic. You know, now insert a, you know, by all accounts, Hall of Fame quarterback, right? Aaron Rodgers. I think the sky's the limit for Wilson. No one else there really scares me to take uh, a lot of targets away. You know, a lot mm. of the opportunities. Alan Lazard came over. You know, some of the bringovers from the Packers, you know, came over with Aaron Rodgers. But none of them really scare me. I like Garrett Wilson a lot. I actually like him a, a little bit more than Lamb, personally. So, uh, you know, that's a decision that, that you definitely have to make in the drafts is sometimes Lamb and, and Wilson are back to back. And I, I usually do end up taking Wilson there. I just I feel like mm. the concentration on Wilson might be a little bit more than uh, than Lamb in Dallas. So, yeah, so I, I really like the stack, you know, and kind of just going into who else is on the team. You know, Lazard goes late. Um, if you want Tyler Conklin, he goes late. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Brees Hall, uh, Brees Hall fell 14 spots in, in, in a draft I just did a couple of days ago. And I nice. took him at like 34 overall, 35 overall, something like that. Love like, it. I'll take that. Um, yeah, so easy to stack. Um, and just looking at their schedule here real quick, they play Cleveland at Cleveland week 17. Not great. Cleveland, also a town that uh, gets some weather at the end mm-hmm. of years. So that one, and I believe that's a Thursday night game. Yes, that is Thursday night football. So Mr. Denzel Ward, always checking in, not, not ideal matchup. Yeah, like it just, yeah, that, that's not the best, um, but they do play Miami and Washington as well, 15-16. So those could mm-hmm. be some higher scoring games. Washington may lay it on them, though, not biased at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so as far as the Jets concerned, I would say like B minus for me for stack, you know, premium stack ranking. I, I consider it a, a hero stack. I, I, I like it a lot. I mean, you're getting one of the most efficient quarterbacks, like you just said, at an immense value. After pick 125, you got him at 132 in your last draft, and you see him fall in pretty much aggressive lobbies, like aggressive lobbies at the quarterback position. Guys like, you know, Dak, Cousins, Rodgers, Goff, they all fall a little bit more. They're going to they're gonna fall, you know, another 10 or 15 picks if you get some lobbies where guys are really going hungry after the, the QB position. They're getting their second QBs, you know, within, you know, the top 10, right? So I, I do like it a lot. I think that the combination of the two between Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson, you may actually get that type of Devonta Adams type of production. We've seen Aaron Rodgers really lean on his guy, you know, his, his go-to receiver, and that's going to be Garrett Wilson in this offense. One point you didn't bring up was Elijah uh, Elijah Moore departing, going over to Cleveland, right? So I, I like that. More, there's more opportunity for for Garrett here, and I still believe that the team's going to try to run the ball quite a bit. I mean, they have Brees Hall, <clears throat> Michael Carter being declared as the clear number two running back in this offense. You got to love it. You got to love it. Shouting back to the uh, the big board days. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you, you convinced me back in the big board to take him. <laughs> 
Oh, he's yeah. I, I'm absolutely thrilled to hear, uh, you know, some good Michael Carter news. And yeah, I mean, there's really like you had mentioned, like Tyler Conklin, Alan Lazar. There's a lot of plug and play guys here. I like that that ability where I don't have to just feel rushed to build a stacks. You know, I can build other pieces and other premium stacks around Aaron Rodgers and the Jets offense. And so where I'm drafting Garrett Wilson up front. I don't have to be first to market to Brees Hall. I don't have to be, you know, first to any of the other receivers or even Tyler Conklin. They should just fall on your lap. And if not, okay, cool. Start over. Do it again. You'll have another opportunity. You're not going to win this. Uh, you're not going to win the best ball mania on, on four drafts, you know, or yep. whatever, one draft. So just do it again. Figure it out, you know. Tinker with it. Experiment with it. Play with it. Yep. Uh, let's stay in the AFC East. Let's go to the Patriots. But before we do, Ugh. I want to tell you about the beautiful people who sent me this fantastic schedule grid. Uh, just, just, have, just look at it. Just look at it. It's amazing. Sports. Sports. Uh, it has the Circa Millions and the Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes up for grabs. Circa Millions is five NFL picks against the spread each week. Obviously, Circa Survivor just pick one different Moneyline winner each week. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. All you need is a proxy to play. Let us know if you uh, don't know what a proxy is or need help finding one or need a suggestion. Uh, I know a lot of us here at SGPN uh, are in the Circa Million, so please feel free to reach out. We will steer you in the right direction. Uh, Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there the last weekend in August. CircaSports.com for all the details. That's CircaSports.com. Boom. Boom. What would you do if you won the uh, won the money, Andrew? Um, honestly, I always tell people the exact same thing, and that is one, get out of debt. That is the ultimate dream is just to know that you have no debt. None. I don't want any debt. Pay everything off if I won the money. Uh, outside of that, man, I would definitely try to be smart with it and set my family up for future success. You know, invest a little, make sure I have compound a nice interest. Little- you know, yeah, something, right? So something take, that, take that the NFL that route sounds yeah. <laughs> definitely not put all of it in Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin, but you know, that's a, a little, I, I little like flimsy. Bitcoin, but <laughs> yeah, I like it, but you know. Uh yeah, that's funny. so yeah, so so just just do that. Um, okay, so let's uh I think uh AFC East here, Patriots. Uh, I don't really think we had to spend a lot of time on the Patriots. They have some people, Juju, you know, Taekwon Thornton, um, Hunter Henry, you know, the, the, those guys, Mike Kaseki now. I think that there's some viable options to be able to choose when you want to stack with the bills, mm-hmm. um, you know, for that week 17 correlation. Sure. I, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. I saw him throw a ball, whatever, 70 yards. People like shit their pants on Twitter the other day. And Stop. I'm like, okay, well, that's Jamarcus that's Russell great. could do that on his knees blindfolded, please. Uh, yeah. And, and again, I know I got into piss a match with somebody about Sam Howell versus Mac Jones, and you can't convince me otherwise that Sam Howell doesn't have more upside than Mac Jones. Uh, so he has anyway, more upside so, because of his legs. I don't think that he's like an immensely better passer than him. No, I just opinion. think that the talent around Sam Howell as opposed oh, yeah, to Mac okay, Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That's, much that's fair. Yeah. The talent levels are, are certainly higher. Um, yeah. I think, I think the way to label this opportunity with the Patriots as a premium is the cost it, it's premiumly free okay you can draft mac jones mike Gusecki, taekwon thornton as a stack probably in the last four to four of 18 rounds yeah. like that that feels pretty good you know when you're able to get some late round stacks like that where the cost is just super super low i i don't hate that i want to take some shots do i believe that the patriots are going to offer a ton of exposure to uh, roster rates for high profits no I, I don't believe that. I don't think that you're going to see uh, 
you know, someone with $3 million with Mac Jones and Tyquan Thornton on the roster or Mac Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. I just don't see that. I know you don't, no. I don't, I know you don't like them. I think it would be more likely to see a Bryce Young and Adam Thielen stack on a championship roster than I would Mac Jones and any of his receivers or any of his weapons. Interesting. Just, yeah, so I, just a comp. Yeah. The, the, the only player on the Patriots I've really actually won is Ramondre. That's the only player I yeah, actually target. Sure. Everyone else, if, if they fall in the right spot, whatever. But yeah, it's it's not somebody I'm targeting. So what's what's the highest potential outcome for Mac Jones? Can can he actually clip 25 plus passing touchdowns? I don't think so. I would I say so. no. Uh, I think the over-under for Trevor Lawrence, if I remember correctly, is 26. So that does not give me confidence Mac Jones is going to be anywhere near 25. No. His number so, should probably be closer to like 19 and a half. If you find a 25 out in the wild for Mac Jones, you let me know. We are going to go rob a bank and put all of it on the under because that, <laughs> that under is hitting. <laughs> I'm going to be coming uh, out with some uh, underdog over-under uh, bits here. and Look out for those. I'm, yeah, I'm, I can't I'm really do liking over- the numbers. I can't do the fucking pickums. I live in Pennsylvania. To be perfectly honest, Andrew, I can't do them either, but that doesn't mean I can't share my picks. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we got some (laughs) listeners out there that were like giving all these things away. They'll put it in and, you know, we'll, we'll profit share. Who knows? I'll 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 just go into this one right here. I think we're, we're good on the AFC East. I'm going to take it over to the AFC West. Oh, you don't want to do Dolphins at all? Uh, No, I mean, really quick, hero or villain stack, uh, Tyreek Hill and Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, upside hero, truly though, probably villain. Uh, I I think two was one hit away from becoming Jordan Reed and, and exiting the NFL. I don't want to bet on injuries, but I feel like if there's a narrative to kind of run away from, it's a healthy to a tag of Iloa, like a full season healthy to a tag of Iloa. That's not a a car or a narrative that I'm chasing. You know, I, I yeah. just can't. I can't do it. Um, if, that's not to say that I won't get mine. That's not to say that I won't get my exposure. It's a similar situation for me like Christian Watson. He stinks. He's going to be a dud. That doesn't mean I'm not going to get my 7 to 9%. <laughs> doesn't mean he's not going to be in my lineups. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, just a short little thing. If you have Water or Hill uh, and don't want to do the Tua thing, Mike White is a sneaky way to take a very last quarterback, a, a third one if you want. Because, again, I, I do think Tua might have some some issues this year uh, with health. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, where did you want I to said- go? I said AFC West, but that's a lie. I wanted to go to the NFC South. I want to go to Derek Carr and the New Orleans Saints. It's been a topic that we've talked about pretty frequently. Derek Carr is my highest exposed player right now. I can get you the updated total here. I know it's in the $500 range, um, but I feel better and better about these potential stacks by the day. I really do. Uh, I was looking at underdog. His over-under for total touchdowns is 23.5. He's hit that two out of his last three seasons with the Raiders, right? And then Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator for the Saints, he's had a quarterback either hit this number or be on pace to hit this number in 11 out of his last 13 seasons as offensive coordinator with the Saints, which I found to be absolutely remarkable. Now, I know what a lot of you are going to say. I'm probably cherry-picking into some of the Hall of Fame Drew Brees years, but regardless, like this is a full-blown spread offense that's going to have a priority to, to pass the ball. I love how they backed up. Alvin Kamara potentially with Jamal Williams and Keandre Miller. They have a little bit more wherewithal on the ground, but I still feel like this offense is going to look to push the ball down the field. Chris Olave, Mike Thomas, 
Taysom Hill as your gadget Swiss Swiss Army knife. Juwan Johnson had over uh, I think five or six uh, receiving touchdowns last year. He was kind of a boomer bust guy, but you know typically on the right side of uh, of, of that, right? A, a big booming uh, tight end last season. I like a lot of these weapons. Rashid Shahid was a nice little uh, little gadget down the spread of, of last year. I'm very interested to see what we can get result result wise. But honestly, I would take Derek Carr over. 26 you know I, I would crank this number up a, a few touchdowns absolutely so that's an absolute number that i'm i'm ready to smash and i'll be advocating for others to do but again the situation is very friendly similar similar to uh the jets where your quarterback costs nothing you know you're getting a potential top 10 qb you know in the depths of the uh of the uh of the grouping here let me try to pull up where i have him as my exposure and I just want to get your thoughts on the situation. I know that you and I and Davis talk uh, every now and again about the old naked car approach, partial nudity car, whatever, what have you. Um, but I've been cleaning up on them. Like I said, I'm, I don't know where my exposure list is. I need to go to drafts, not rankings. You do need to go to completed and then exposure. Oh, Derek Carr is my second with 16%. Drafted uh, right behind Trevor Lawrence. Six hundred and seven dollars, twenty-seven point eight percent. Woo, that's a lot. And that is, oh, I guess it's number two behind Devin Singletary. Chipoy, we I took him on that mm -hmm. last episode with you and uh, you, me, and Kramer. Yep. Um, I I love the Saints this year. Second easiest schedule. No outdoor games after Week Five. Uh, up until Week Seventeen, which is at Tampa that. Bay. So another warm game outside. I wonder if I can pull it up in my notes because I put that in my notes for that pick uh, for his uh, his total. And I wanted to say it was like 13 of all games are played indoors. 13. So let's see. Week one, indoors. Week two, outdoors. Three outdoors. Four outdoors. Five outdoors. And then six through 16 are all indoors. And then at Tampa Bay, week 17, which again, you get a more warmer weather climate uh, for week 17. So, yeah, I mean, 13 I of 17 is the, is the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Indoors. Yeah. Uh, insane. Insane. And, and and I looked up numbers too. like Derek Carr isn't amazing indoors. It's not like that we're saying like, oh, yeah, they're going to play indoors. So Derek Carr will be great. And therefore the offense will it. be great. He's yeah, he has some he has some um, familiarity from this last season. Uh, but predominantly before that, the Raiders were playing outside before Vegas. So most of the games in his career have been played outdoors. So when you look at his splits, like you're not going to look at dome stats and be like, oh, wow, Derek Carr's a cheat code inside inside uh, football, right? Like that's not the case. What we're going to be talking about here is just the fact that he has a safer floor because he won't be in situations of bad weather. He just gets to avoid those type of, you know, plummet scenarios like the anti-spike weeks, right? Yeah, he may have some down weeks. But majority of them will be in a dome if he has. Them. Yeah. Uh, so really like, you know, it, it's easier to do this too. Derek Carr goes late. Olave goes early outside of that. Mm. And, you know, nobody else really goes early. You can easily get Michael Thomas. Pick your poison of Alvin Kamara, Kendry Miller, Jamal Williams. I like to, if I take a Saints running back, I usually like to try to stack it with Taysom Hill. I think it's mm -hmm. an interesting way to correlate somebody who's going to run the ball that you don't have to pick at running back. So, right. um, yeah, I, I like doing that. But, yeah, man, like, their schedule is so easy. Um, as we just talked about, you know, they don't, aren't going to have a lot of weather concerns throughout the year as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm all in on the Saints. Interesting that you say that about Derek Carr in a running back or, or I'm sorry, in a receiver, you said? No, I, I was talking about if I take any of the running backs. So if I take Kamara or Jamal Williams, whatever, I usually try to mm -hmm. also take Taysom, uh, Taysom Hill. 
So Taysom Hill is my second most exposed tight end with $400 at 17% because I actually get him almost exactly right on par with Derek Carr. And I feel that it's more important to stack those two than with a tight end, or I'm sorry, with a running back in Derek Carr because of the fact that if Taysom Hill is taking snaps away from the running game or even lining up as a receiver, my bet is is that he's going to originally line up on those plays at QB at some point. And you may see Derek Carr kind of get pushed to the side, right? Where now all the attention is on Taysom Hill. You, heck, we might even see a Taysom Hill to Derek Carr touchdown this season. I, I mean, that's not that's nothing crazy. I, I totally believe that can happen. So because you're getting at, what is it, ADP 156 for Taysom Hill, Derek Carr is going at 147. So you can typically get them right at each other, whether, you know, maybe the tight end position is getting a little bit ravaged. You know, maybe you need to back up, you know, one of your uh, – one of your early tight end picks, or maybe you just have to play hero tight end and pick your best three at the end of the draft. Taysom Hill should be in that bunch. You know, what is his underdog scoring his last two seasons, 141 and 124 points. That's better than a lot of receivers out there. Unfortunately, uh, go get him, Taysom 400 bucks, probably going to get larger. Um, so before we uh, move on to our next team, I do want to tell the good people listening about Underdog Fantasy. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. If you want to potentially win $15 million, listen to Justin and I on the Stacks Premium. We know who to draft. Underdog Pick'em is also a good way to get down in your favorite MLB and NHL season player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com, use our promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Okay, and we're back. Party on. Party on, Andrew. You want to stay in the NFC South or you want to move on? What, what, what are your thoughts uh, Yeah, let's here? go to the South real quick here because I, I think a couple of these teams, so I'm going to lump Falcons and Panthers t- uh, together, and, and this is mm-hmm. why is they both also have very easy schedules. Panthers, uh, seventh easiest, I believe, and the Falcons are the fourth. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them, you know, have easy to obtain stacks. Uh, the Panthers more so than the Falcons, obviously. Falcons, you know, you want to get Pitts in London. Uh, you don't necessarily need to take Ritter. I, I don't think you necessarily have why? to because i don't know why you wouldn't do you get desmond ritter in the last round he goes undrafted in the majority of drafts so why wouldn't you well correct but so what i've also noticed with some of these and not so much desmond ritter it's more kenny pickett and some of these other guys mm-hmm. but sometimes when i take their their stacking options and i go to take them they get sniped for me and then you have their wide receiver their tight end whoever and then you don't actually get the quarterback so it's not that i don't think that that you should do it because again i mean like why not I don't. I just don't think that that you have to. Like these are two teams that I don't think you necessarily have to stack the quarterback with. Um, but yeah, so I, the, they both have easy schedules. Uh, I like the Falcons players obviously more, but the Panthers are interesting uh, in the fact of their wide receivers. There's not one guy I would consider the true number one there. I like taking Terrence Marshall a lot at the end of drafts. I think he mm-hmm. has um, more upside than than Thielen. Thielen's on the wrong side of thirty. You know, I I think he has more uh, upside than DJ Chark. Um, why am I blanking on somebody else that they have? Who is it? Oh my God. I'm like blanking on the other guy. Oh, um, Mingo. Yes. Thank you. Jonathan Mingo. Yes. Uh, Mingo is interesting as well. Uh, that, that's somebody I don't mind taking the, uh, yeah, I I don't mind taking the shot there, but Mm -hmm. you can easily take young, 
uh, in the draft as well. Like both these teams, super easy to, these are like secondary stacks on my teams that I like mm-hmm. getting, like, especially if I go with like the bills or, you know, uh, the chiefs, like one of these other mm-hmm. guys that I'm going to need to spend some capital on drafting. Um, I don't mind taking like these teams in the NFC South as teams that I know I can back up stack and, and just have some sort of correlation at the end of my drafts. Um, so yeah, so Panthers and Falcons, definitely interesting um what say you on both those teams anything in particular that you like to look out for in these drafts i prefer the falcons uh to to be honest and i do have a fair amount of desmond ritter while we're talking about high exposure i just said Derek carr number one number two desmond ritter five hundred dollars and that's because he's absolutely free i feel that he will be a riser and at some point you're probably not going to be able to get him ahead of I don't know. We'll, we'll say not behind round 16. I think he could go up to round 15 or 14 or so. Once they get a little bit more hype in camp, you get a little bit more positive news coming out of either training camp or the preseason. I do think he's someone that will be a riser. It's kind of similar to like Carson Wentz. I was car- drafting Carson Wentz in the big board, right? I get him in the last round. I get him for absolutely free. It's the big board. I want to be a little bit more unique because we don't have rookies, you know, in uh, involved in that draft. Right. And at some point, he'll he'll get added on a team, and he probably won't go in the last round, but that's the only time that I'll be able to get him in the last round. So I like the value that I'm getting from him now. Uh, I do see, the, like I said, the possibility for him to climb, but when I'm looking at the other weapons, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, I'm all about it. Um, you say Terrace Marshall. I like taking Matt Collins. We've talked before about his run-blocking ability run blocking keeps you on the field it gets you more snaps and i could get you know an extra two or three spike weeks out of a guy that's just existing on the field so i like uh, that lineup go ahead oh no i was just gonna answer jamie here so it's jamie but don't forget the other guy that came from the jags the gimmicky wide receiver can't Jamal remember Agnew, his name no he's talking about visca <laughs> oh ouch. i forgot about my own fucking favorite player i love lavisca chanel i lavisca is with the the panthers yeah yeah i just man i i can't ah god visca kills me he's so good with the ball in his hand and nobody has fucking utilized him like that it just it it infuriates me and that's probably why i just like have taken him out of my mind is because i know if, if i remember him i'm gonna take him a lot and i just don't think it's gonna happen for him i really don't this is a guy i wish would go to the chiefs right now go to the chiefs why? He would he another would gadget be guy so good with Patrick Mahomes, man. This dude is electric with the balls in hand. I, yeah, Kadarius go, go Tony supposed to be so good. Sky Moore supposed to be so good. Rashi Rice supposed to be so good. We don't. No one knows, dude. Love Visca. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh, Visca, Visca. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, any any love for the Bucks at all? Anything that that, that you want to add on to there? Um, I did see today potential Tom Brady coming back, maybe. Shut the front door. And, and Antoine Winfield said uh, that he believes that the Bucks organization have been reaching out to Tom Brady for a potential return out of retirement. Isn't I, isn't he well, like just part be, owner of the Raiders now? Like, is, can is. you do that? Can you do that? I mean, why not? Right? I mean, I guess like uh, <laughs> pick up the playbook too and just like fire the OC. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um. I'd like to transition to another team uh, and, and because of some recent news that just came out, let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Bur, I mean, Joe. Oh, Jesus, Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Mixon has restructured Joe. his contact and will be staying with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I think that that's going to climb. Yes. One, I was just going to say, I think it's very good for the team. I think that's very bad for his ADP because ADP is going to come up. I'm very glad that I've been taking Joe Mixon. 
um, at his current ADP because it is going to climb, I believe. Uh, I think ultimately this is good all around. When you have a run game that has somebody to be somewhat feared in the backfield, that mm. opens it up a little bit more for these wide receivers. And on a team where you have the likes of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, right? That that's very good for the wide receivers. Uh, and vice versa, you're not going to see many stacked boxes either, right? Like it's it is um, it's, it's just not going to happen. So I think this is a good for the entire team. This is a team that is a premium stack that's extremely hard to get the entirety stack. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen it done multiple times, but it is hard to do because usually somebody takes looks T Higgins. Pretty rough. I've done what? it. Your the rest of your roster looks pretty tough. It, yeah, it is. But I mean, you you know, you just really hope that when you're drafting this way, where you're taking Chase and Higgins and Burrow, you need to mm-hmm. think about you know what the future is. And it's that the Bengals are just lights out good the whole year long. Like, like they need to be a top to three know. offense, in my opinion, for that to work. Hundred like, percent. Yes, yeah. I, I fully agree with that. Um, so I think it's a fine stack. I wouldn't like do it too many times, honestly. But I, I if mm-hmm. I could do it, I would. Um, but again, like it's it's kind of hard to do that. And as you mentioned, when you have that, then the rest of your team kind of looks a little rough because you're so heavily involved yeah. with the Bengals at that point. Um, I think I did that in a super flex draft because I got I got Joey B, and then I was able to bail on everything else. Yeah, obviously, this is the elite of the elite Week 17 games against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Then 15 and 16, Minnesota and at Pittsburgh. Also decent games. The the Pittsburgh one could be a fucking ground and pound one, though. So that one, maybe not great, but I think the Minnesota one is going to be points upon points upon points. So very good uh, schedule for uh, the fantasy playoffs as well. So, yeah, Bengals. Mm -hmm. Good team to stack, obviously. It is tough to do it. I think that the Bengals kind of remind me of a team that I want to take Burrow and one of Chase or Higgins and then take like Mixon or take um, Irv Smith, one of these other guys. I don't want to go too too right. heavy on it. Um, and we're talking about premium stacks. One thing I do, I should have said this at the top, but read a little data that anything over three stacks, three members of the team in a stack mm-hmm. uh, really drops down your advance rate. Um, I think that you need to stay within two to three uh, total members of one team. I think going overboard on that is going to hurt you a little bit unless they are just lights out, you know, week in and week out. So just Mm -hmm. food for thought for everybody. Don't overstack a team. But also have fun. Yeah. If you if if you want to build the Browns, win money, build the Browns. (laughs) Like I like to build my Falcons and Seahawks. Not the Eagles. Yeah. Can't can't do it too expensive uh no i i absolutely love the the bengal situation obviously there's still gonna be a team that passes a lot even with joe mix in there the only other thing i want to add on to that buy the chase brown dip this is an offense that utilizes more than just one running back you're gonna see plenty of chase brown this season buy the chase brown dip that's all i got good yes um do you want to take anybody else in the afc north actually you know what yeah i do let's go to the ravens um, yeah. Okay. So Ravens. Uh, the last draft we did, I uh, I had Lamar, I had J.K., and then I I really feel like you just play the the ADP game with the receivers. Like I don't feel like I have to rush to any of them, even if I get stuck with Odell, who's kind of parked behind, you know, Rash- Rashad Bateman and uh, Zay Flowers. I still p- feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I I do too. Um, I think my perfect Raven stack is Lamar Andrews and excuse me, and uh, Zay Flowers. 
I don't know what it is about Zay Flowers, but I have like a weird infatuation with him. Uh, I think it's that he is probably going to be the best deep threat they have. And I mm-hmm. think with Todd Monken coming in now, this offense is going to just explode. Uh, Mark Andrews. Uh, yeah. Mark Andrews. I know he's a little expensive round three tight end. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's not Travis Kelsey. who's going to the first, but he's still going third. Uh, Todd Monken has used uh, tight ends at Georgia a ton, and they had right. extreme success with tight ends. Uh, insert him into this offense that already has an awesome elite tight end. I think mm-hmm. the sky's the limit for, for Mark Andrews. I think that the round three capital for him is justified as well. So I'm I'm big in on Mark Andrews. And again, like I, if I had to take any of the wide receivers, I take Zay Flowers. I'd rather take the unknown mm-hmm. than the old injured Odell Beckham and the uh, – can't really get his foot right currently Rashad Bateman. Um, I, even though I do like Bateman, I just, I would just prefer flowers. I understand that. I want to ask you about JK though. Cause I, I like that. I, I like that concept. I like, you know, Zay flowers coming out of the scene. He's one of the more athletic and talented receivers. Great footwork can create space. Um, you know, just creative, you know, on the sidelines, you know, has great hands, but what are your thoughts between the running backs? Because there's a huge disparity between JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. When in reality, you're, I still feel like it's probably a 60-40 split. Uh, yeah, I have a lot more Gus Edwards than I do, but that's just because of how late he goes. And, you know, I, I usually, yeah, I usually try to build zero RBs. And, and that's a guy I like to target back there because of mm-hmm. what I think his upside is in this offense as well. But I did read something the other day that if J.K. Dobbins is good, like we thought he was coming in, now he's a year removed from being injured this is the year he'll break out if he's as good as we thought he was because of how good the offense is going to be. That, that I, made I, me I just can't believe that his breakout quote unquote would have been, it's going to be more impactful this season than it would have been with Greg Roman at or offensive coordinator, who is a run, run, run I, first OC. I, I think that the thought process is that they, if they don't score all their long touchdowns, if, if they're not getting in the they're end not, zone, kind of like mm-hmm. the lions did last year, JK's going to have that role, probably a 55-45 split with Gus. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to help because I think he's going to he's going to get a lot of the work in between the 20s, I believe. And then right. in the red zone, it's going to kind of be a split between him and Gus. So I think the, the thought is there's going to be a good offense that may not score all those long touchdowns. And then there's going to be short field mm-hmm. uh, to score touchdowns. And that's going to be, you know, probably not a lot of Lamar because they're probably don't. They don't want to get Lamar killed, like just like Josh Allen. Like I don't think he's going to sure. run as much either. So you know that, that that's kind of my thought process on that. So uh, I want to break into kind of like my take on the on the Monk and offense here and how it's going. How his JK offense, going fifth round, by the way. Um, that's that's too expensive. That's climbing. Uh, it, it used to be a little bit cheaper, a couple of rounds for sure. Um, the Monk and offense paired with Lamar and these weapons. I just feel like you're not going to see as many designed runs for Lamar Jackson. But that doesn't mean that the plays won't break down to the point where he's still just running the ball himself. This offense is going to look to get a lot of sideline to sideline routes, trying to create space, trying to create chunk plays. I still don't, I still don't view Lamar Jackson as a great downfield threat. If I'm evaluating him as his quarterback coach, as his OC, I'm not trying to obsessively launch the ball down the field play in and play out because he's the type of guy that's going to need to step up a little bit more. That's going to need that extra second or two to get his footwork or his feet dug in to get a heavy release, right? 
he's not Patrick Mahomes who's zipping it around like a shortstop. If you have, you know, if you haven't watched the quarterbacks uh, series on Netflix, get to so good. I finished it so, so hard. It was so good. So hard. It made me yeah, love I, Kirk Cousins way more than I did. And like, I feel bad about it because like, I like, I like to hate on Kirk Cousins, but damn, did that make me really like him a lot more? Genuine. I, I left. I laughed so hard when he stared at his son with dead seriousness and said, you made a good fire, Coop. You made a good fire. I just like, I just, what the fuck? What is that? Stop it. Stop it. I was, I was like you, three in the morning. You know, I, I, I literally stayed up and to, to catch the premiere of it. Yeah. It was so good. Did you also know that Kirk Cousins out of all the contracts he has, there's only been $2 million that has not been fully guaranteed in all the contracts he's had since coming into the NFL. What a smart him. businessman. That's awesome. Maybe he lets his uh his wife pick out the contracts too. You know, she picks out the shirts out there, picks out that, the outfits. Maybe just, she yeah, handles that too. Much. That's just too yeah. much. <laughs> I was so angry when she said, Oh yeah, we started praying in our seats when uh, they were playing against the Bills. I'm like, Oh, that's your fault, Julie. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're you the... <laughs> when Josh <laughs> Allen fumbled the ball on the one yard line and I lost probably like ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Oh, dude, I don't mean to laugh. But oh, yeah, was man, that a little right. prayer that you're you said right. there, Julie? Yeah, dick. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, man, that just goes to show you, you never know what's happening in other people's lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Shout out. I was inverted. I uh, I went back and I saw that that week, that same week where I lost all that money. Uh, I was inverted, made like 15 grand. He finished second. Nice. So, good, good on him. Good on him. Yeah. Up in the fantasy streets. Um. Lost our our train there. Lost our train of we, thought. We sure Who did. Who were we yeah. talking about? Uh, the we were talking about the Ravens. The Ravens, yeah. So Lamar Jackson, like I said, just not somebody that's just going to launch the ball downfield obsessively. I still see him running the ball a lot, and the space that Monken's going to be able to create is going to feed Lamar Jackson's running upside, Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Uh, that's just the way that I feel. I everyone's saying this is now a passing offense. This is now a passing offense. I'm saying pump the brakes. Hold on. I still think it's going to be a pretty moderate split. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Maybe Pro they pass more than they did the last two seasons. Obviously, Greg, Greg Roman isn't there, but I don't see them being like, you know, if, uh, top 10 in passing attempts in the NFL. I don't I don't see that. If, if JK's right, I think he takes more than 70% of the work in, in between the 20s. I think it's when they get into the red zone that that, that yep. fully changes to more of a 50-50 split because... But their red I mean, zone offense is so much deeper now. Andrews, Gus Edwards, is. Lamar, he's going to play the keeps. Odell is a threat in the red zone, if healthy. Yeah, I, I just think that... I think in the red zone is where Todd Monken will realize, like, okay, what are defenses thinking? They're probably thinking, look at these sweet weapons. We're going to pass it around in here. I would flip that, pull Bill Belichick on people's ass, and do the exact opposite of what you think I'm going to do, and that's mm -hmm. run the ball with the running backs. I mean, you have Mark Andrews and all that. Like it, When I think about how to stop the Ravens, it's like, all right, how am I going to stop Mark Andrews, some of these pass catchers, and then worry about stacking the boxes so that Lamar and them don't run all over me? But sure, you know, sure. again, so I that's my belief is that when they get in the red zone, they're going to run a little bit more. But between the 20s, they'll, they'll probably throw more. But JK is going to have a mm -hmm. lot more of the role in that time. That's let's fair. uh let's transition over here to um trying to look at some of these teams that, you know, you know what? Let's go to the commanders real quick and, and no homerism okay. here or anything. But I want to talk about the running backs real quick. I think everyone was drafting Antonio Gibson with the thought of he's the third down guy. And he's probably going to have some of these gimmicky roles. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's true, but I did see a report come out today from Antonio Gibson that said that he wants to unleash his unlocked potential, which is what he was at wide receiver. So, and I've been saying this all season long when people ask me, Kramer just asked me, I don't know if it was last show or maybe two shows ago. Mm-hmm. He just asked me about what do I think is going to happen with Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel? Those guys mm-hmm. are going to eat into each other's role. And if Antonio Gibson is going to unlock what he has not been able to at, in the NFL, and mm-hmm. that's his pass catching role as a wide receiver, I think that's where it's really going to eat into Curtis Samuel's role. So I'm kind of more off Curtis Samuel now because I think that Antonio Gibson at this point in his were, career is probably a little bit better than Curtis were Samuel. Were you ever on Curtis Samuel with like any yeah. type of volume? Uh, I mean, volume, I, no, but I was much more interested in drafting him than I now am when I look at when I look at his range in drafts. Sure. I just think Antonio so Gibson's gonna eat more. I well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I have a three to one disparity here. I have three hundred dollars invested in Gibson, and I have a hundred dollars invested in Curtis Samuel. So, I mean, there's a pretty big disparity there. Uh, Antonio Gibson, my twelfth highest exposed running back. So, you know, there's definitely some favoritism for me. He's butt ended by Zeke Elliott, and you would have guessed it, Brian Robinson at two hundred and seventy five dollars. <laughs> um, Brian so Robinson. I lo- I, I love the prospect for both of these guys with Eric Bieniemy coming into this offense. I think that there is a huge opportunity for both of them, given at their cost of ADP. You're not paying anything. They're super friendly to the zero RB approach, which is heavily popular in best ball. Um, I think that both of them could have a handful of spike weeks. And when I say handful, I mean both of them could have five to six plus spike weeks. Yeah, I have Brian Robinson at 16% drafted um, in BBM, and I have Antonio Gibson at 13% as well. So, so you and me and, and Gibson close. are exactly the same, I except for I'm a little bit less exposed to uh, B-Rob. I have yeah. 12.2 and 13.3. Yeah, I, I like. I mean, again, I think Brian Robinson has a lock on the red zone targets. Uh, I'm yep. sorry, the, the red Touches. zone carries. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that that's where he's going to excel this year. You know, potential 10 touchdown guy is that mm-hmm. if this offense takes any step forward with Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell now kind of running the shit here, I think that uh, they have more upside for scoring touchdowns and i do think brian robinson really has a good shot to to get to 10 um yeah so anyway i long story short i like both these guys brian robinson i think i favor slightly more in underdog because of it being half point ppr but if you're drafting on DraftKings right now i would be way more in on antonio gibson i'm Equally high on both. Uh, they just have two separate roles. So when I'm looking at drafting them, I'm looking at, you know, what do I need right now? Like, have I shored up my exposure to running backs who catch the ball? Do I need someone someone with more of a, like a red zone presence, like a Brian Robinson or a Damian Harris, kind of a similar ADP? I think Harris is still going a little bit after him. So I, I like both of what they can do. Now talk to me about how you're stacking them, though. Like, are you bringing... Sam Howell into the picture? Are you just looking to kind of draft this team without the quarterback? You know, I I think it's a pretty good example of another team where you can do that, where you can grab Terry McLaurin, very friendly ADP, grab both those running backs. And, you know, if you're really hurting at tight end, you can grab Logan Thomas with your second to last pick or last pick. Uh, Sam Howell is currently my fifth most exposed quarterback. He's my first by far in the big board. I cooled down a little bit when I got into in the best ball mania because I I was so hardcore on how in the big board he was Mm -hmm. going free. I still going pretty free as well in this, but yeah, like this is a good team to stack uh, because I think they're going to be behind in in probably a majority of their games. Mm -hmm. So they're 
We're going to need to throw the ball a little bit more. Sam, Sam Howell's a little bit sneaky athletic. It's easy to stack these guys. You can get the entire team if you really want. Obviously, I don't recommend doing that. I would, I, I think it's fine taking both Terry and Dotson. Um, mm-hmm. If I do that, I particularly don't like taking running backs. If I only get one of how or uh, McLaurin or Dotson, then I will try to snag one of the running backs as well. And most recently that I've taken Sam Howell in the last couple drafts, I have been taking Logan Thomas as well. There is a large upside because of what Eric Bieniemy brings from Kansas City and what he did with Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying that that uh, Logan Thomas is anywhere near as athletic as Travis Kelsey. Do not get me wrong. But if he's going to have a role in this offense like Travis Kelsey did, as long as he stays healthy, mm-hmm. he, he could have a really good year. He'll definitely return on investment at where he's going by far. So I think it's a free option for you to have a double-digit touchdown guy in this offense that's going undrafted in majority of drafts. Yeah, I can respect that. I just, the only argument I have to it, and you and I have had this discussion before, is that I think that Terry McLaurin takes on that type of role. Yes, Eric Bieniemy has had success at the tight end position because he was working with literally the best tight end for the past eight seasons. He's been the you know tight end one for seven out of his last eight seasons. Right. Yeah. So, so you think, I think it's the player, not the scheme. I'm kind of going exactly. the opposite direction. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, not to you know keep drowning you guys in the quarterbacks docu series, but when I was you know kind of reminiscing, you know, when Patrick Mahomes was taken out and they had Chad Henney come in, still had Chad Henney getting getting shit done. Just just keeping it simple, right? I just feel like the playbook for Eric Bieniemy, um, and we also kind of saw like the creativity that will probably probably follow Eric Bieniemy from his exposure to being around Andy Reid, being around that type of presence that puts the players first. Hey guys, let's be creative. Let's let you guys, you know, kind of do the dictating for the day. I, I do think that those philosophies, you know, follow him to a point. And I just feel that you're going to get a very creative and different type of usage from Terry McLaurin. Like Terry's already been QB proof, but now he's with one of the better, you know, offensive minds in the NFL that's been exposed to Andy Reid, you know, high caliber, you know, winning and success and a lot of offensive production. I, I just feel like it's going to be a great match for Terry McLaurin. Like I feel like he gets that that big boom role for the offense. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is just, you know, he's unlocking with, uh, with Logan Thomas. Maybe it's just a complete tight end thing. And that's going to be Eric Bieniemy's career is unlocking tight ends, you know, until he's, uh, until he's out of the NFL. Mm -hmm. But until then I'm going to keep riding with just like the best talent. Like even when you were looking at, I even, you know, Tyreek Hill, when he was there, Tyreek had a huge role, right? I just don't know if I see another receiver on this roster that has that, every down ability to go out there and make a big play. John Dotson could be that guy, but he seems more boomer bust dependent. He doesn't feel or touchdown dependent because he's boomer bust. He doesn't feel like someone that I'm going to trust on every down to go make me a grab. You know, he, he still feels like, you know, he can, he can miss where Terry McLaurin just man, if he's getting the targets, if he's getting 150 targets in this offense, I've, I've been telling you, I think that he can be a top five guy this year. It's a very sneaky quote unquote premium stack because Terry's cheap. The running backs are cheap and you're starting QB the last three rounds. I know he's going ahead of Desmond Ritter, but he's going, you know, around that Mac Jones territory. Probably around 16. Uh, yeah. Uh, hold on. I was going to pull that up real quick. I was trying to, but my underdog's like trying to not load for whatever reason here. Uh, let's see. My last draft, he went, I think it was round 17. If I remember here, here, let's see. Okay. Finally loaded. God. Uh, he went round around uh, 16. Yeah, middle of round 16. Yeah. Sam Howell ahead of Brock Purdy. 
CJ Stroud, uh, and Mac Jones right behind Kyler Murray. Interesting. Interesting. I don't hate it. I mean, obviously yeah. people are going to be pretty different right now. I, I think that as that clears out, you definitely still see Kyler Murray uh, ahead. I'm trying to think. I think I still think that Sam Howell will maintain favorability over Mac Jones. I just think that we're going to need to see a lot. Um, Mac Jones is still like splitting all that time with Bailey Zappi last year. It can't leave a, a good feeling in, or good feeling or taste in people's mouths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But no, it's a, it's a premium stack based on cost. It's you know, and it's it's outside you know booming production. Like there's an outside chance this offense could explode. We need to hit you know every checkbox for sure, like every threshold for that to be the case. I think Terry McLaurin is going to be the biggest part of that because, like I said, I think just Eric Bieniemy is going to find and identify his guys in the offense. To me, it's Terry and Gibson, at least as far as like like sp- splash playability, guys that can go off for big chunks. Those are the two guys that I'm that I'm looking at the most. If you want high upside, like touchdowns, for sure, you're going after Logan Thomas and Jayon Dotson and and B Rob. But yeah. if if you're asking me to bet on who's going to score double digit touchdowns in that offense, I think that Brian Robinson's probably the odds favorite. But I'm going with I'm going to chase Terry. It'll be a career season for him. I think the most he's had is maybe six, seven receiving touchdowns in a season. In a season, he's the guy that I would still put my money on to to bring home ten plus. Okay. Yeah. No, I. I don't I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, what do we probably got two more, two more teams? You want to do one from each conference? Talk to me about Dallas. Talk to me about Dallas. Hey okay. Um never any good things to say about the Dallas Cowboys, Andrew. Yeah, I know. You put me in a predicament here because I hate the Cowboys. But I, I do it. think there's there's value in some of their players. Um I think Brandon Cooks might be a little bit more involved. He's kind of getting overlooked right now. I, I don't hear mm-hmm. a ton of people talking about Brandon Cooks. Yep. I think that um, I think he's a a good value at where he's going because I think that he's can take over the deep role for them, which can be valuable in this offense. Now, are they going to play Boomer Ball a little bit? I think uh, Mike McCarthy is a dope, and I I don't think that Agreed. them getting rid of Kellen Moore is going to help. Kellen Moore allowed them to rank towards the top every year in um you know average speed of play like like they just mm-hmm. they played fast now he's went to the chargers and they aren't going to have that fast paced offense i don't think anymore so mm-hmm. their number of plays may come down a little bit that that's a little concerning but i think brandon cook says upside to catch a couple long touchdowns as well as he might get he might get some slot work too i mean he's a speedy guy over the middle right I think mm-hmm. Gallup as well has some um, interesting. I think he's going like almost like wide receiver, like fifty-five oh. or sixty. That's that's pretty good. Uh, Michael Gallup. I mean, I, I actually like taking him. I've taken him probably the most out of any Cowboy, just because he goes later. He's in an offense mm-hmm. that should score points, um, you know. And and again, there's no true number two behind him. I think Cooks and him are going to battle it out throughout the year for that. Um, as well as they obviously got rid of Schultz. So, you know, now they have Ferguson and Shoemaker back there. Which one of those guys is it going to be? I'm not sure. Mm. But in a long-winded sentence here, uh, Dallas is easy to stack. Uh, they have a good matchup against the... Detroit. Oh, yeah, Detroit, thank you. Yeah, uh, against the Lions Week 17. So that's a yep. very good, obviously, indoors as well. So that's a very good um, Week 17 game. And let's see, the Cowboys also play... 
Buffalo and Miami week 15, 16. It is at Buffalo and at Miami. So the at Miami one probably don't have to worry about too much weather. The Buffalo one could be a little tough as well. Both so, those defenses are good. Like the Miami Dolphins defense has gotten a lot better. Yeah, correct. So and and the Lions defense is, is not going to be any slouch either. So that's eh, let's 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 not let's not hype up their secondary too much. Like their up front group is is solid. I love me some Jack Campbell. I love me some Aiden Hutchinson, but their secondary seems meager to say I, the least. Go back to when Ron Rivera was in Carolina. And again, I, I know Ron Rivera is not with this team. I'm just saying that Ron Rivera had a had a defense in Carolina that year that the front was good, the back uh-huh. with Josh Norman and whatnot, not very good. They made Josh Norman and them look a lot better because of the pressure they put on the quarterback up front. There was a lot more interceptions with that defense than there should have been. The Lions kind of feel like they got that mojo going on right there where, I mean, they, they have Jeff Okuda, right? Yeah, he hasn't been very good. Yeah, but he could be good. He was a good draft prospect. I just I don't think the de- that their defense Three is going to be ago, that bad. Yeah. yeah, I I mean they they moved on from uh, Darius Slay to move on to Jeff Akuda wasn't the best idea. Just saying, like they probably should have kept Darius Slay around. Darius Slay went to the Eagles and wound up going to the Super Bowl. A little bit of a different scenario. Did they win that? They didn't, and also Carolina oh, didn't kidding. win the Super Bowl either. So that, that is very true. I yeah. was more or less throwing a dig at the Eagles because you know Commanders. I was more or less throwing a dig <laughs> at Ron Rivera because Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Ron Rivera. Yeah, I, this I, is the I man you put in Wentz last year. So, yeah, you know. I was gonna say I can't go through like that long of someone saying like positive things about Ron Rivera. The last time I have anything positive to say about him, he was coaching the Bears. He was their defensive coordinator. So, well, yeah, not a good taste left in my mouth. I reckon. Um, yeah. Uh, with Dallas, I like the situation quite a bit. I mean, I have what Dak is my fourth, third highest uh, QB exposure. They play a lot of good defenses. That's who's that? Dallas. Okay, great. Great. Hopefully, left we'll to throw no, a lot then. Could be great. Uh, this is remember, uh, Dak Prescott tied for the leading, uh, the lead for interceptions in the NFL after missing what five games. Still no. finished with 213 points last season, missing how many games? Uh, yeah, that that is that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, Giants defense, eh, middle and only fifth, only 15 of them were, were recorded because uh, he came back. I think the last week. Yeah, I I don't know, man. They they, they play a lot of tough defenses. Uh, here, you, just simple yes or no's. Giants, uh, if the defense is good, Giants, Dallas. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, who would I? Who do I prefer if they're no, 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 defense no. Just, or not? just tell me if you think the the team I tell yeah, you is who they're average. playing. Do you think that they're good? Okay, yeah. Uh, average. Jets above average. Arizona. We're not even going to go there. They, they suck. Spike New, week. Yeah, New England. Average. Wow, I expect them to be better than than that. No, I do not. I I think that their offense puts them in a their defense in a very bad scenario consistently. I don't. When you have a bad offense and your defense is always on the field, it's hard for your defense to consistently look good. But they they generally rank towards the top in scoring defenses. They're they're a great defense at turning the ball over. That's fine. So Dak four Prescott. touchdowns, one interception that game. Cool. Dak, Dak Prescott is great at turning the ball over as well. So that could be a fucking four interception game. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll give it to you. What what they're they're middle of the pack? You'd say average. Average. Okay. Uh, San Francisco. Uh, elite. Chargers, average. Someone's wow. gonna get hurt, buddy. You, Someone's I want to know hurt. who you think your the elite defenses are. Chargers are good defense. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, elite defenses are 49ers and the Eagles. That's who I would say That's are it. probably that, that go under elite. Keep going with the list. We can get to this after. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Rams. Average or less than average. Okay. Philadelphia. You just said elite. 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 Uh, Giants again. So middle of the road. Average. Uh, Carolina below average. Average. Wow. You said they're okay. I'm below average. I mean, I mean that that's that's like a like a high expectation thing, but yeah, I'd say yeah. I'd say average still. They have a good front seven. Washington. Uh, average to above average. They have their they have their weeks. They have their, they have their moments, but I would say that because of their lack of consistency, they're average. Seattle. Average or below average. Below average. They've had a lot of takeaways last year. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Philadelphia again, obviously. That's uh, a that's just a matchup where I think you can see a ton of points. Seattle and uh, Dallas. Yeah. Uh, it, it, potentially, yeah, but Seattle has a good defense. Um, let's see. So then they play Philadelphia again, and then uh, at Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo's typically above average, but that yeah. that that game in general is just not ideal because it's probably played outdoors, and it's right. you know the weather's not going to be great towards the end of the at, season. At, at Miami, Miami good defense. Yeah, I'd say above average. Right yeah, now. and then Detroit, which you know, yeah, I, I know you don't think so. It, when we did this exercise, you only told me a handful of ones that you thought would be below average. Mm-hmm. So let's say, but I also I also can grab a handful of those games and see quote unquote shootouts, high scoring games because sure. I think that. I think that the Dallas defense also kind of similar to your commandos. They can have some big weeks. They lack consistency. They can have a lot of takeaways as well. When your defense is good and gets takeaways, what happens? You get easy, easy touchdowns. You get a short field, right? So I think that there's a handful of those weeks in store for Dallas as well. Um, But because they have such a good defense, I feel their roster is balanced. They're going to be in a lot of games. They're not going to be out of games. This is not a team that's going to be sitting studs at the end of the game you know what i mean if they're playing from behind great that's what i want and the big focal point for me in, in attacking this offense i didn't even get to my receivers i i you cut me off when i said Dak is my third highest qb i have brandon cooks as my was it fifth one two three four five and cd lamb is my seventh so i'm backing it they got to sign a running back and if they don't then i'm going to be rich if they sign Zeke or they sign another boulder to maybe steal away some red zone touches, I might be in some trouble. But I feel that this offense is going to have to pass a lot more. You have Tony Pollard coming back from injury. Malik Davis is his backup. Ronald Jones is his backup. And they have Deuce Vaughn. Where's the ball going to go? You mentioned between Brandon Cooks and, my, and uh, Michael Gallup you know, for the number two. I don't see it as close. I look at Michael Gallup and I look at Brandon Cooks and I say, who is a more talented receiver? And all of my votes are going to Brandon Cooks. Every one of my votes is going that way. I'm not even giving Michael Gallup a look. Yeah, he's good. He's had moments where you know he's had some spike weeks. He's put up some very friendly production. Maybe he won you a fantasy championship at one point, but he's never, ever consistent. He either gets hurt or gets faded in the offense to other targets. CeeDee Lamb is a guy that can get over 150 targets. Brandon Cooks is going to be taking that, you know, that screamer route, that downfield threat, that, you know, Deshaun Jackson role when they brought him in, right? Like anyone that, you know, that you're looking to get downfield, it's going to be Brandon Cooks. You're, you know, in between the numbers, you know, your your high volume guy, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb. Um, d- don't doubt, don't doubt the Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying and I don't, I don't disagree with their upside. I just think there's a lot of risk involved with these 
with a team that we're kind of it, it's kind of like a rookie team right now a little bit because they have a new offensive coordinator they have a mm-hmm. boomer ass coach that doesn't know what the hell he's doing half the time so i'm right. i'm concerned that their play calling is going to be wishy-washy at best mm-hmm. um I, again like i i like lamb i like gallup i like the upside of this offense but i also am realizing as we go through the schedule and stuff like that I think there's weeks that we're going to see a big stinker from from these Cowboys due to the fact of they either don't run enough plays because they're running slower, uh, they're trying to run the ball more and they're not getting first downs, which takes them off the field, or Dak Prescott is just giving the ball away as he did last year. So there's mm-hmm. there's real concerns with the Cowboys outside of my just hatred for them. When you really sit down and look at it, I, I think that it, there's it's it's not going to be as concentrated as we think but it's also not going to be as, as uh, fast paced as we think either. So there's concerns there, but I still like lamb. I just like mm-hmm. some of those guys at the top more. Like, would you have La- uh, lamb or Adams lamb safer, safer, Q, uh, safer floor via QB. That's true. Yes. Uh, lamb or St. Brown. <sighs> That's tight. I really like to get both. It's really both. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding. That's the stack that I want in the turns. I want, I have Lamb, a and I want a Monra. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh, I've got plenty. That's what I want. Sometimes I'm getting a Monra and Garrett Wilson. That's fine too. But I really love it for that week 17 stack. Big potential production there coming out of the last week, bringing home the three million dollars. That's something that I'm targeting. So I, I honestly, I can't tell you. I think if you're looking at my rankings, it's going to say Lambs ahead of them. But I still really like Amon Ra. Like Amon Ra is a guy that I can, I believe firmly can have 30% plus target share again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Lamb or Garrett Wilson? It's Lamb still. Like I, I like the potential for, for Garrett Wilson. I like the rushing offense for the Jets more so. I think that they will put the ball on the ground more. When I'm looking at the teams having who's going to have more pass attempts, I think it leans in favor of Dallas right now, at least on paper. Until they make a significant move at the running back position, I'm going to keep buying these guys. Once that happens, I'll definitely slow my roll a little bit. But even then, like BFD, they sign Leonard Fournette. Who cares? BFD, they sign. I think Zeke. Dalvin Cook is. I think Dalvin Cook is the biggest threat to me, and it doesn't sound like he's going there. What if Zeke goes back there again? Red zone. That's it. I mean, what what other role is he going to play? He might steal a handful of touchdowns. You know, but uh, but yeah, like is isn't that the concern though? Is if Zeke goes sure. back there. They're like, sure. if, if he resigns there again, it's because they're but, like, you're our red zone so, guy. Like the only thing I'll counter with that is if you're taking Tony Pollard at ADP, you don't believe that Zeke Elliott or anyone else is going to be an issue I, in the red zone. Well, I'm not taking Tony. Pa- I, I almost have none. I mean, because I believe that they're going to hire somebody who on that team is the big back that that's going to do all the red zone, the, the, the goal line work. Mm-hmm. All their backs are small. Who's going to do it? They have to yeah. sign somebody. What are they going to do? Just fucking rotate them in and out. Until, I mean, I mean, Kareem Hunt ain't that big. He can, he can handle red zone usage, though. I mean, I, I trust him in the red zone more than I trust Malik Davis or Deuce Vaughn or Ron, Ron, Ronnie Jones. You know, that's, that's I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree with coach. that. But I mean, right. I, I think it, I honestly think it's just going to be Zeke again. They're just going to they're just waiting for him to not get the deal that he wants. And then he's going to mm-hmm. come back and. He's just gonna sign there again because nobody else fucking wants to give him what he wants, and he's just he knows that he his role with Dallas is safe in you know scoring touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So I truly believe that that we see him back there again. Yeah, the only other thing I'll just say about uh you know Dak you know from last season is that you know when he did come back and he threw those extra touchdowns that secured the bag for you, 
I just think that you're still you just looking at a guy. That, what did I say? You said touchdowns. My bad. Interceptions. He left <laughs> okay. the league in interceptions. He had 17. Only 15 counted for underdog because I think his last two were in week 18, and that's obviously from injury. You know, again, kind of going back to that that QB docu series. You see how these guys are beat up. You know. And I don't think his offensive line has been doing him any favors. You know, these these past couple of seasons, they're not as elite elite as they used to be. Um, so I just I just feel like that's the case. Like he got a bad situation of the of the beatings and the bruisings, and he came back from injury. And yeah, he he did you a favor, you know, securing the bag on the interceptions. But I just don't think that that uh, season is entirely indicative of his skill set and what he is going to do this upcoming year. You know, based on prior production, like he can be a top three, top five QB easily in this league. We've seen him do it before. And right now, the signs to me indicate that, like I said, the offense is going to pass a lot. They got it. They got to get another running back in there for me to really like firmly believe that that's just not going to be the case. That they can't be top five in total passing attempts this season because that's the that's what I the way I look at it right now. Okay. Similar yeah. to the Detroit Lions and Amon Ross St. Brown. I saw Jamie talking up Amon Ross, who I. Dude, I'm a Bears fan, and I love Amon Ross St. Brown. We're getting to the point where I'm going to have to buy his jersey. Uh, Deontay, <laughs> Derek Carr. Man, I'm telling you, if Desmond Ritter gets me a spike week in week one, uh, that's when I'll do it. Like, give me that one spike week, Desmond Ritter, because if you do that, like, I'm going to be creating a gap. I'm going to be creating a fucking lead in this competition. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Love St. Brown. I agree with you. Any man that keeps a list of all the wide receivers that were drafted in front of him to remind him how many were and drafted in front of him is mm -hmm. just elite in my book. That That's an elite mind fuckery right there where he looks at it daily. That's awesome. Yeah, I was uh, just uh, before we wrap it up here, I was coming back to the Chargers defense. It actually does look pretty decent. Uh, their linebacking core, but I, I do not like their their D line. Uh, Morgan, Morgan Fox, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, maybe Nick Williams gets mixed in there. I mean, their linebacker core is great. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to be playing a three, four. So you have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the edge, but man, like I'm not saying, I don't want people to be burned by Khalil Mack. I love Khalil Mack. I still have the bears Jersey in my closet. Okay. Both of those ends just get hurt, man. They like Bosa and, and, uh, and Mack have just been constantly injured these past few seasons, backed up with Eric Kendricks and Kenneth Murray. I like Kenneth Murray a lot. He's probably the guy that I like most in this. But Eric Kendricks, he's he's another year older. He's a guy that can play in pass coverage, but like his days of being like an elite tackler to me are starting to fade more and more. And honestly, in their secondary, I like some of these guys, but J.C. Jackson, another guy that likes to get hurt. Derwin James, another guy that loves to get hurt. And I really like Asante Samuel. That's a really good ad. That that will definitely help back there. But I don't believe it's enough to like put them in like this elite defense conversation. Yeah, but you yeah, just they can't look good on paper on... right now. But after week six, what do they look like? Yeah, this but you is just a, this can't is... count on injuries. You would have said the same thing about CMC last year or Dalvin Cook. They both were fine. No, everyone's been yelling at me for overdrafting Dalvin Cook for the last two years. So, well, yeah. I'm just saying that like, people were saying the same thing. Like CMC, he's not going to play a full year. Well, he fucking did, right? Like it's just it's yeah. it's hard for for especially defenses. It's hard to just say like yeah, like that team's going to not be as good because they're going to be injured. It's it just mm -hmm. I think, and I agree with Jamie. Like I do think that they're frisky and that the defense is going to step up this year a little bit. Don't think they're that they're still going to beat the Chiefs, but mm -hmm. think they're bring, think they're going to be pretty good. No, no, this is this is not a bad defense, like I said on paper, but when you just go through the wherewithal of the season, I see a lot of names that I don't expect to finish the year. 
And that's not because I'm betting on injury. That's just because of what I've seen from them consistently. Derwin James is one of those guys. J.C. Jackson, like I said, Bosa and Mac. It's not a one-off. These aren't one-off situations. These have got these are guys that have missed, you know, multiple, you know, plethora of games, like handful of games at a time, right? And that's where my concern is. So when I look at like the the endurance or the ability to outlast other defenses, say in their division or in their conference, I would put their ranking kind of low. You know, like yeah, they're they're built to go attack. They're built to be a you know win now defense, but they have to last. And dude, I will I will be cheering for all these guys. I I'm I play a ton of IDP, so I've I've racked up all sorts of these guys. Kenneth Miller is or Murray Murray, excuse me, is one that I absolutely love that I own in bulk in, in a variety of IDP leagues. Same thing with Asante Samuel, Derwin James. There 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 isn't a a safety closer to my heart, but it's always because he's getting hurt. I always feel bad. I'm always like, man, I wish that guy would just be healthy all the time. He's fantastic. Hasn't been the case. Man, we spent way too much time talking about the Cowboys and defenses. You got me triggered, man. Way too much time. You got me. You got me triggered, dog. Uh, any uh, anything else you want to hit on before we head out of here? Nope, I'm all set, sir. Good deal. All right. Take care. Be well. Be good. If you can't be good, be good at it. We'll see you.